0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name is Adam. My name is Jeremy. We are here to discuss Uncanny X-Men number 260, April 1990 issue, on sale February of 1990, February 6th, cover price of a dollar, and this one's titled "The Star 90. I don't know what that means. (laughs) Uh, Well, it's the 90s. I guess, so it's like a star in the 90s or something. Yep, I um it's got to have some sort of cultural significance. I don't know, like was it,
1: was there a Star 78 or something like that?
0: Star Wars came out in 77.
1: Just wondering if it it seems like the the way that that font is written, the Star 90 with the silhouette, um
0: it it has to be a reference to something, right? I'm I'm hoping Someone's going to tell us in a couple of weeks.
1: No, I'm going to look it up.
0: <laughs> okay. That works, too. <laughs> when in doubt, look it up. You might think the title of this issue is Blam! Because that's how it opens. Well, but when I that type... Would be, that would be jumping ahead.
1: When I type in star 90 ah. reference, nothing comes up. Type in star 69. Well, that's how you block people from seeing you on the phone. Oh,
0: okay. I knew that was something. <laughs>
1: uh, yep. All right. Uh, one more I want to try.
0: Star 78? No. I don't know why that sticks in my mind, but... Isn't there an R.E.M. song called Star Something? R.E.M. Star... Star 69 lyrics. What? There's a song by oh, R.E.M. called a... Star 69.
1: Yeah, and it's all about calling.
0: Oh, it's all about, yeah. <laughs> I know you
1: called, I know you 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 called, I you hung up on my line. Star 69! That's how Michael Stipe sings it, I believe.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Star 69!
1: <69. laughs> I had <laughs> to <you> a quarter <laughs> down on me. So yeah, I, um, yeah I, I, this is probably a telephone company reference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on the cover of this is a wild-eyed crazy man with a dagger through a magazine called Spotlight which features I'm going to guess Allison Blair on the cover and he says I love you dazzler to death
0: it's a classic Jim Lee uh artist uh drawing I guess cover of uh Crazy Guy and lots, of lots of dazzlers in the background so many dazzlers lots of purple black and red and
1: magenta
0: um Actually, the the only thing I don't really care for about this cover is the is the coloring. Not sure what the coloring is meant to evoke. Is this supposed to be like a, a developing room hmm. or of some sort? I,
1: the foreground, I, I feel like it's is death, right? Because he's all highlighted and mostly red, and then the background is like uh, uninked or muted magenta.
0: Dazzlers, um, so it's like blood red something. I, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe yeah. it's just madness, madness and craziness, uh, the colors of red and magenta.
1: Yeah. Uh, does not pass the t-shirt test. I would not buy this t-shirt because everybody would think you were a crazy person if you wore
0: this. <laughs> I would buy this t-shirt because I think people would be like, what's up with your t-shirt? man?" <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's it's like, you'll... Well, I'd have to explain it. It's like, these are images of Dazzler and mm. this guy loves Dazzler to death. And they're like, who's th- just like me? What's a Dazzler. <laughs> yeah be like you don't know who jazzler is oh man
1: <laughs> let me tell you uh, anyways yeah so it's it you know it's a competent uh jim lee cover foreground is great background is fine uh, the whole point of the background i think is to be kind of flat uh and not inked so yeah
0: you know, good cover that's good yeah
1: blam oh i'm sorry star 90
0: Darn any blam.
1: Chris Claremont's the writer. Mark Silvestri uh, is the penciler. Dan Green's the inker. Glynis Oliver's the colors. Tom Orszakowski's the letter. Bob Harris is the editor. And Tom DeFalco is the editor-in-chief. And it's true. the man firing a gun. It looks like he's looking through a sniper scope. Uh, he says, gotcha, Dazzler. Bang. And on the other side of that
0: uh, dead sniper scope is Dazzler, and her chest is exploding from presumably the bullet that he just fired.
1: Yeah, so Dazzler's dead. Uh, moving on. <laughs> no, she's not dead. Oh, no. <laughs> this is Eric Beale, and he's dressed up. He's got a sword. He's got a pistol. He's got a whole bunch of armaments all around him, and then this big rifle, and he's just shooting up all of these mannequins.
0: He's kind of comically drawn, because I feel like he's got a, sort of a goofy-looking body. It's he- like skinny in some places and fat in others. And, and I think all of the armaments makes him look a little silly.
1: Yeah. Well, he's a, an older overweight gentleman. And, and like so many of us men who, who get older and overweight, he's got skinny little legs and a uh, kind of a
0: wide top portion. It's a good, it's a good thought out design. I think if they did it on purpose, I think they um, did why he has the sword. I don't know. I think there are some pictures, uh, and maybe I'll I'll try to call them out as we go
1: through them, where uh, especially like on the cover, I feel like you don't get the sense of his weight. You just see kind of a crazy man. Um, but you definitely get the sense of like, oh, okay, it's an older, overweight man who's got it out for Dazzler for some reason.
0: Yeah, I remember this cover because you used to, back in your apartment in Canton, New York. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you used to tape your comics... Uh, in their backing boards, of course, to mm-hmm. your wall. Mm-hmm. You'd have like uh, our rows and rows of comic book covers. Mm-hmm. Sort of like a comic book museum, if you will. Mm-hmm. But I, I, for some reason, I remember this one being on your wall. Sure. Um, I don't know why. I, I don't know. It's just like that, that particular image is striking. Maybe it's because it was the all reddish hue. Uh, maybe it was because it didn't really match the rest of the titles like it didn't feature any superheroes as far as you could really tell just like it was a crazy person yeah it's always i was always curious about this one well
1: here you are do you know where i got the idea to hang comics on my wall
0: i think we've talked about this before but i don't remember i'm gonna guess that it's from a movie no nope. or something like that it's from a television show oh uh, i was close <laughs> uh,
1: uh, uh jerry o'connell was in a show called my secret identity
0: oh yeah okay that rings a bell
1: yep and uh he and the intro credits i don't know because i don't remember really regularly watching the show but whenever i would catch it i would i would watch it it because it's about superheroes even though he didn't have like a superhero costume or anything he was just a he was kind of like a teenage modern day greatest american hero which probably helps none of our younger listeners
0: <laughs> but anyways wait, let me let me let me help you yeah da, 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 da. no wait that's the a team isn't it yeah that is I believe it or not there you I'm go i'm walking on air. yep there's a whole theme song and everything uh for the greatest american hero
1: i don't remember what the theme song for my secret identity was but anyways In the intro credits or somewhere in in episodes, you would see just like all of his comics uh, hung on the wall. I was like, oh, that's so cool. And so when I had enough comics and, I don't know, free time, which I'm sure I had plenty of, (laughs) taped them all to the wall. I got the idea from you. Did you do it? Oh, yeah, you did it, too, because I think you started hanging up your Wolverines.
0: I started hanging up uh, Wolverines and Groo's. I had one big wall because I had the most Groo's. And then I put up Ghost Riders as well. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I subdivided my room into like, this is the X-Men wall.
0: This is the Spider-Man wall. This is the... Yeah. yeah. Me too. Me too. Good times. Good times. Good times. Comics fell off the wall all the time.
1: (laughs) It depended. You had to use the right tape. Like I had some tape where the comics just would would not move. And then then I'd have others that in the middle of the night, you'd just hear thump. (laughs) Thump. (laughs) <laughs> like, no! Oh. You'd like, oh issue 260. My first appearance of Gambit just fell off the wall. No! I have no idea if this issue will ever be worth anything.
0: Well, that was the nice thing about Gru, is you knew that nothing was ever going to be worth anything.
1: <laughs> I have to imagine like Gru number one's got to be worth a couple bucks.
0: Uh, yeah, I think the there's like three number ones. So I think all of them are worth uh, a decent a decent amount. Yeah. Probably the, the, anywhere from... Fifteen big ones. Whoa! To uh, the third one is probably like five big ones. Holy but- smokes!
1: That's more than cover
0: price. I know, man. Wow,
1: <laughs> that's a that's a big return on investment. I'm guessing you spent like seventy five cents on those. It probably. Pshew, that's like a five hundred percent, if not more, increase. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh Eric Beale, he's shooting up all the mannequins. He's got he's got throwing stars and he hits some some Allison mannequins in the head with the throwing stars.
0: He is just surrounded by Allison mannequins. Where did he get all of these Allison mannequins? eBay. <laughs> uh, nah, I don't know. I mean if you're a collector
1: he's a Hollywood guy too, so I imagine he had access to you know, mock ups stills.
0: I don't know. Uh, we got another order from Eric Beale. It's, uh, more it's a more dazlers. More Dazzlers. What is wrong with this guy?
1: I mean, you could probably buy mannequins and just put them, put like wigs and stuff on them, and then.
0: I I'd, I'd have to, I'd have to imagine these are not made to spec for for Dazzler. <laughs> I don't know. You never know. Maybe Dazzler. Although these
1: these heads are very specifically Dazzler esque. I know. Maybe these were all promotional Dazzler mannequins for the movie. And they're like, we're going to put Dazzlers all over the country in promotion of the premiere. Oh, no, oh, the movie didn't come out.
0: Here, Eric Beal, you can have them all. <laughs> maybe some of these are standees.
1: Oh, uh, probably.
0: Because th- that way it doesn't seem quite as crazy.
1: Uh, they're, they all look pretty 3D, but yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go with you. I'm going to say that a couple
0: of these are cardboard cutout standees. Except for the ones that are featured, because in the next page, he kicks right through one.
1: Yes. You got to wonder, like, why were they making topless Dazzler porcelain mannequins?
0: You do got to wonder that. (laughs) (laughs) Too bad mannequins are only plastic. None of this hurts, he says, and hurls a grenade at all of the mannequins, destroying all of them but one.
1: And I feel like he's in his, like, man cave room.
0: Yeah, well, we saw this last issue. It was his Dazzler room.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I'm I'm assuming like some, you know,
0: like I'm assuming the whole house is like this.
1: Oh, that could be. You don't think he just has one room that's dedicated to Dazzler, and that's where he goes to wallow away in self pity?
0: I think it started out as one room, mm. but he just kept acquiring more and more stuff. Sort of like, sort of like people do. And, you know, he just became a hoarder, and and it it started spilling out into the rest of the rooms, and next thing you know, he's living in Dazzler World. It's probably why he went insane. Very well could be. What started out as a very uh, well-meaning, genuine hobby turned into madness.
1: That's how it always starts. (laughs) Then one night, you're going to get a drink of water, and you stumble over your collection of Dazzlers, and you get pinned to the ground by all your books and mannequins, and then you die. Amongst all of your stuff. Happens where all the time. Or you don't
0: die, but you swear revenge. Ah. And that's where, that's where it all happens.
1: Could be. Um, so he goes up to the last mannequin and he's like, I loved you. We were made for each other. You said no. So I'm going to kill you. hee.
0: At which point I'm like, just like I was in the last issue. I'm like, who was this guy? Yeah. Because <laughs> the only one that I remember here being in a relationship was that Roman dude.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't remember Fred Stanachek. I don't remember Eric Beal. I remember the name Eric Beale. I just don't remember what his involvement was in that graphic novel. I don't remember uh, anything about that graphic novel. Yeah, I
0: don't either. It, it must have been a, uh, he must have been like a producer or something. I think he says as much.
1: Yeah, I, I think you're right. Speaking of Fred Stanichek, back at the Malibu House with with uh, Guido, or
0: oh, he does use the sword. I asked why he had a sword, and he uses the sword to chop off the last manigan's head. He, so, uh, I am glad he uses every weapon except
1: for, I think, his pistol. So, okay, yeah, uh,
0: saving that for later.
1: Fred Stanichek is showing Dazzler the Dazzler movie. Uh, Dazzler asks Guido for his opinion, and he's like, "You ain't no Meryl Streep, but I gotta confess." Legs, I'd pay money to see it.
0: Wow. Mm. Rare praise. Rare praise from (laughs) Guido. Evidently, Fred, you've got yourself a winner. (laughs) Is that your new Dazzler voice?
1: Trying it out. Okay. Well, Dazzler, she she don't care. She's going to go surfing in her body glove outfit, and that's how you know that this is in the 90s.
0: (laughs) Did she have a body glove outfit before? Is this a callback to when she was running around with Havoc and her... Her, uh, mm. her, uh, her same skin-tight swimsuit. I don't remember. Is that also
1: a body glove? I don't remember. But I know exactly what panel you're talking about, where she's like, we're so hot, Alex. We're hot bots. Hot bots. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, so she goes out, and she's like, all right, well, that's cool. Um, I don't, what do you want with me? Fred's like, we got to sell it. you got to be there with me. She's like, I'm going to go surfing.
0: You can't just take a finished movie and dump it on the marketplace it has to be sold to make it the success and you the star you both deserve to be I need your help Oh crumbs I just walked into the ocean <laughs> I'm a fool yeah. He's got a Charlie Brown sweater on He does I wonder if that was on purpose
1: Had to probably
0: have been. Yeah You don't put a like, Charlie Brown on like that's one of the most iconic sweaters ever well, yeah Yeah
1: so meanwhile, Dazzler's on her board getting ready to, to catch some waves. Uh, she's kind of reflecting. She's like, I don't remember anything. It feels like I was born a couple of days ago when Guido found me on the beach. Uh,
0: Fred's cool, but I don't know. But I remember how to surf. And more importantly, I remember how to sunbathe on my surfboard. Mm-hmm. And that's when we cut to Eric Beal with some blood red in his eyes. He's got his sniper rifle ready. He's pointed at the real Dazzler. And uh, he says, I guess he's, I, I feel like he's on drugs with this dialogue. There she is, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Yeah, soaring now, warp speed, totally focused, crystal keen. Or is he just crazy? I don't know. Where to place the bullet? Do I place it in her head or her gut? He's am going to go with the head. He's a Hollywood producer, so I'm going to
1: guess he's crazy and coked up.
0: Yeah, probably.
1: Yeah, he goes for the head shot. It's going to be... Gonna, he's going to smash the face, ruin those flawless features. And as he fires, she sits up because a good wave's
0: coming. <laughs> Swell is shifting. Good wave's coming. And she doesn't even hear the bullet because it just lands in the water next to her. Blop. Uh, Al, or, um, Peel, he's upset. She moved. I missed. And Guido,
1: who doesn't miss a beat, is like, yo, chick, we got to get legs out the water. She's being shot at. A sniper.
0: Presumably, the robot told him about this. Oh, that's so could Otherwise, be. how would he know? I don't know. Uh, she uh, she keeps moving. Blasted says Eric Beal. wasn't like this in the practice range. How can I kill her if she won't stay still? I'm getting like remember uh, Bronson Pincho from um, Not Perfect Strangers, uh, True Romance. Yeah. He played like a coked up producer.
1: Yeah, yeah. You think so. that you think Eric Beal is uh, Bronson? pincho in true romance
0: yep that's what i think
1: there's just that one scene of them driving down the car when when he's got he's snorting he's driving the sports car snorting coke off the girl's cleavage but for the rest of the movie he's pretty straight
0: i feel like that was the moment that uh cements the type of character that he is okay and that he is high the rest of the movie
1: uh, okay that could be yeah
0: that was that's the feeling i always got
1: yeah it's one of my favorite movies adam that's a good movie. It's a great movie.
0: I don't think I own it. Strangely enough, I've seen it like a billion times. I probably do own it, and it's unwrapped, and I don't even realize it. I, I probably own like six copies because every like year, I'm like, oh, I should really buy *True Romans*.
1: <laughs> I have it on DVD somewhere. I, I, you know, I only own like three Blu-rays.
0: Really? Yeah. I own, I own many, many Blu-rays.
1: I own one HD DVD too.
0: Oh, <laughs> you, were you were you supporting that format? Were you like? Uh, HDDV is going to win the format wars.
1: No, I was a holdout for a long time because. Really,
0: you still are. <laughs> I just stream everything now. It's all about I, uh, streaming. I yeah, I'm not there yet. I'm just not. I'm not. I feel like your your the the quality of your Blu-ray is consistent, That's whereas true. the quality of your streaming is doesn't. It's not quite there yet, unless you unless you pay a lot of money. But even then, it it depends.
1: I'll, I, I think I can agree with that. Uh, I was a holdout for a long time because I didn't have a device that could play Blu-rays. Um, and then when I finally got a PS4, I go. put it in my office. I didn't have it, like, in the main TV room. So now there's, like, no optical player near my main TV. Uh, and every now and then I, I have, like, all of these, like, you know um sci-fi collection like 10 horrible sci-fi movies <laughs> and and um oh, i've got another one that's like uh urban exploitation which just just looks amazingly ridiculous um <laughs> another like you know 10 pack 4.99 um and i'm like every now and then i pull those out i'm like i should watch some of these and am like god i don't I would have to like rip it and convert it. Like I don't have a media player, and now my laptop doesn't even have an optical player. So I'd have to do a lot of work to get that media converted over to a watchable format, and it makes me sad sometimes.
0: I'm sorry. Yeah, what, your play your PlayStation Four does does play uh, DVDs as well. It's in my office though. It's not in the main TV room. Nah, can't you get like wires that pipe it around or something, or just get <laughs> another one? Let's buy, just buy <laughs> another one. Just get a friggin' Blu-ray player. They're like 20 bucks now.
1: <laughs> that's the other thing is I, I haven't kept track or kept up to date on on all of those things. I remember when DVD players came out and it was like a good deal to buy one for $399. Yeah. <laughs> and then one day they were like 15. <laughs> I, that's where we're at with Blu-ray players okay. now. You can,
0: okay. you can get them for cheap.
1: Maybe I'll do that one of these days. I don't know. We'll see.
0: I uh, I was not sold on Blu-rays until I saw the, the Blade Runner Blu-ray, and I felt like I was watching the movie for the first time. I was like, oh my God, I understand now. Wow. And since then, I've never looked back. Okay. I own many Blu-rays, many of which are unopened. <laughs> many are still in the shrink wrap, but I own them.
1: <laughs> Just getting ready to throw them out for the next format. Yeah. <laughs> no,
0: I don't think there's I, – I think we're done. I mean, honestly, oh, yeah. the next format is going to be digital, so it's going to be some sort of digital – I mean, you can get up to, like, 5K, but at that point, what's the point? It's, yeah. like, better quality than what 35 millimeter is, so. Yeah. Um, there's no point.
1: No, I don't disagree. I, I'm also not, not, like, a 4K guy, so I don't really care about any of that stuff.
0: Yeah. So. I, mean, I don't care. I can, I can barely tell the difference between uh, DVD and Blu-ray. What? Except, except except in the rare occasion like Blade Runner hmm. where I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. I get it. I get it. Okay. Well, I, that's
1: why I think I disagree. Like I think there's a huge difference between DVD and 1080p.
0: Okay. Well, so, so yes, there is for sure. Uh, but then like up conversion happens and then I can't tell the difference. So, it's really the fact that the PS4 up converts all your DVDs anyway. Oh, yeah. That's I can't really tell the difference.
1: You wouldn't be. I mean, all you're doing at that point is taking the same image and just blowing it up. Right. So, I mean, you're you're not there's no you're not fixing the quality. If that makes any sense.
0: Eh, I don't know. It feels it feels uh like I if if you put a DVD in and and uh and uh you don't you don't use your upconversion. Mhm. I can tell that it's a DVD and I can tell the difference between DVD and Blu-ray, but if you put a if you put a DVD in my Blu-ray player, my uh, my PS4 that will upconvert it. I really can't tell the difference. Sometimes I can. Interesting. But for the most part that that upconversion stuff. I mean, what it does is is like it supposedly not only blows it up, but it also fills in pixels. Mm, yeah. I don't know. I'm, beyond that, I don't really understand the technology, but who knows.
1: But how black are the blacks, Adam?
0: Depends on your TV. <laughs> All
1: right. Anyways, back to X Men. Uh, Eric <laughs> Beale keeps shooting at Dazzler. She catches a wicked wave. She goes up off the 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 wave, and and Eric shoots the board in half. And that's when she finally notices she's being shot at, and she uses, my surfboard. She uses a dazzle blast uh, to shoot at Eric at the same time that he shoots at her, and the the shots. Um, don't necessarily cancel each other out. But she's able to take out Eric's bullet, and it backfires
0: on his face. Her shot seems to go right up the barrel of his gun.
1: Yeah, I think, and they describe it here that they shoot at the same time, but her shot moves at the speed of light, uh, whereas the bullet's going to move fast, but not at the speed of light. So even before it can
0: leave the chamber, yeah, uh, it blows up. It's a nice shot of uh, he gets he gets her in the sniper rifle uh, to the scope. And she's pointing her finger at him upside down. It's a pretty cool shot. That'd be good in a movie.
1: And Eric and uh, Guido. Well, Eric runs out to save Dazzler and he's all like, Oh, don't I don't I love you. But not that. Eric. What is that kid's name? Oh sorry, Frank? Fred Fred Stanichek. Fred, Fred. Yeah. Uh he goes out to rescue her and uh does a lot of thinking.
0: <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> does a lot of thinking. Don't
1: don't which, die again.
0: Which is kinda like just rescue her. What
1: are you doing all this thinking for? Drags her out of the water. He's like, "Oh, you're you're okay. I'm so glad." And Guido's like, "Hey, show a little class. Why don't you be cool?"
0: Someone was shooting at me," says Dazzler, trying
1: to kill your legs.
0: We better get under cover. That's when they go inside. Uh, Dazzler thinks that the guy's gone because they're standing out on the beach, and he would have he would have shot him. Plus, she thinks she took him out.
1: So, is that like old X Men reflexes coming
0: back to her, or is she just smart? Probably, probably old X Men reflexes. I mean, she pinpointed both where the sniper was and managed to hit it. I think that's instinctual. Sure. She's like, all right, well, it looks
1: like we have to flush him out. So, I'm all yours, Fred. Make me a star. Make me a star. <laughs> She says it just like that. I think she does. Meanwhile, in Manhattan, Peter Nicholas, he's painting that girl who I think
0: is Callisto. But I don't actually, know. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I mean, it's, it's a really interesting theory. I, <laughs> I, I really wonder if this is going to actually – I wonder if this goes anywhere because I sure don't remember.
1: I don't remember either. And, and this little uh, interlude tells us nothing, I don't think. <laughs> uh, so she, he's just thinking about her, it. He's like, no matter what I draw, I keep coming back to her. And then, meanwhile, down on the street, her is being attacked by a bunch of thugs.
0: Sure. Why does she spend so much time in this area, getting attacked?
1: I think it's because she's going from her modeling job back to the Morlock tunnels, but I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And so we don't really get a look at these uh, these goons' faces, but they appear Uh, to be wearing some masks, or just they're freaky looking. For now, they're wearing. Yeah, we we'll find out. So Peter Nicholas shows up, he's got a baseball bat and he's got some 90s hair here. He's got a he's got a little bit of a mullet going on.
0: Yeah, he's he's very 90s. Yeah. You
1: heard the lady punks,
0: back off.
1: <laughs> you think he talks like that?
0: Yes, I do. I think yeah, I think he's talking like a new New Yorker right now. Could you stand run for the doorway behind you. I'll hold them and we get a nice close up of him and he's all uh he's unshaven it has got a big patch of stubble growing in, mm-hmm. and he notices that all of the goons are wearing masks that he recognizes because they're the X-Men, the uh, the lead one being Colossus, and there's Wolverine, there's Havoc, there's Storm. I don't know who's in the background. It looks like a uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre guy. <laughs> Leatherface.
1: Leatherface, yeah. Uh, there's a Psylocke, too, but she's behind, well, he or she or whatever is behind Peter Nicholas. Oh, and Colossus's jacket
0: says Colossus on the back <laughs> it of
1: it. Does so, like they're like, um, "You must be tired of life, Scud, to call out the
0: X-Men." What do you think came first, the jackets or the masks? Do you oh. think these guys just had a bunch of jackets that had like names on the back of them, and like those were names of the X-Men? Hey, I got an idea. Let's get some X-Men masks and we'll masquerade as the X-Men. What did, do you think, guys? Did Do they
1: manufacture X-Men masks, or did they have to make these? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I think they went to a store. A store? A store. A star store? A star store. And they bought some jackets, and they had these names embroidered on the back. I would assume so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe they had their moms do it. Like, Mom, I want a Colossus jacket. She'll... Mom, it says Colosso. <laughs> That's not who I wanna be. So though they, they knock uh Peter Nicholas down and uh the Colossus bad bad guy, Goon guy, says Now we'll call them. and he's surprised because uh Jenny Ransom jumps out of a window.
0: Who honestly I was like who, who's this now?
1: <laughs> yep. Is it is this the vulture? <laughs> <laughs> What's he doing here? Uh, she jumps out, and I guess her strength is to get muscly. I'm sure. Yeah, and she's like, uh, "I met the X Men. You're not them. They're my friends." Which you're like, wait, if you met the X Men, did you meet Colossus? <laughs> well, in her defense, I don't think she ever saw Colossus as not Colossus. Okay, that's that's fair. Yeah, because I think he was stuck in metal form for the
0: most part of Australia.
1: Um.
0: So she's you like, "You got toys, use them." She says, and and uh, their toys have their knives and bats. Well, I I can't tell if they actually. Okay, so I think what happens is off panel they all attempt to hit her because in the previous panel, the bat and the tr- uh, tire iron whatever that is uh, are pretty close to hitting her. The knife is nowhere near close. Oh wait, no, there's another knife that yeah. stabs her in the gut. Okay, so then in the next panel, the the bat is broken. And the uh, knife is also broken. So she must be like, have steel skin or something like that.
1: Sure. She's
0: invulnerable. Very Colossus-esque.
1: Uh, yeah. And they they take off and run. And uh, they pick up Peter Nicholas. And he sees the Colossus mask on the ground. Picks it up. And uh, the boyfriend.
0: Can't remember his name. Jean Geneer's uh-huh. son. Gene Junior's son, Gene 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 Junior, uh, says uh, mentions that it's it's Colossus and, and uh, what's his name, Peter. Peter what's Nicholas. Peter Nicholas says, "I know, but he's dead, Phil. Him and his team. They can't help us anymore, and he crushes it
1: ah, so his name with is his Phil. man
0: strength." So his name is Phil Janier. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Good.
1: Meanwhile, his dad is. G- that's right. Meanwhile, at the Baron Fox Studios in Hollywood, California, Um Dazzler says, Actually, Ms. Baron, I'm not Dazzler. And uh, f- apparently Fred goes, Eek! Yeah. So the, um, Ms. Baron, Ginger Baron, she's a producer and she's got like an army of lawyers and, I don't know, other PAs behind her or something. And, um... Uh, Dazzler's like consider me her evil twin Skippy, which she's that'll not come, let go, and it's going not gonna be let go.
0: They they really they really enjoyed it last issue, and uh, they're enjoying it this issue too. And apparently apparently it won't go away. Do I don't, you, I don't I don't
1: I don't quite get it. Do you think Chris Claremont kind of giggles every time he writes down Skippy? Like, oh well, this is it's Dazzler, and she's pretty, and yeah, and that's what it is. She's gonna call herself Skippy. That's ridiculous. <laughs> 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 like, like the peanut butter. Oh, Chris, you've done it again. <laughs> um, and uh, Fred's like, y- this. You're- th- this isn't how we do
0: movies. This is ginger. <laughs> ginger ginger says, "Skippy, you're not at all what I expected. I expected a brainless bimbo, songbird, ultra matcha butt-kicking exhibitionist, fireball superhero, and instead I find you." quite refreshing refreshing refreshingly normal
1: yeah Except it's probably because the i'm not
0: that you call yourself skippy it's
1: probably because i'm not myself
0: alison ginger baker runs the studio, says fred as he's sweating profusely
1: i'm a person i'm a human person fred
0: not a commodity <laughs> actually says ginger and now they're all standing and walking through hollywood in this town people their ideas their talents are the commodities to be exploited, to be exploited better or worse says dazzler well
1: eric beale is here he's got a gun he's able yeah, to how is see... he here. that's well, <laughs> a backlot anybody as movies have taught us: adam peewee's big adventure uh jay and silent bob strike back anybody can get on the backlot of a movie uh, set i guess <laughs> <laughs> and so he's there he's got a pistol and uh he's getting ready to shoot her and Uh, some grips maybe, I don't know. Come up and they're like, ah, this is all wrong.
0: So already we were getting these like comic vibes. Mm -hmm. Um, it was sort of a comical, like there, there's this under, there's this like horrific undercurrent of this crazy person who wants to kill a lady, um, running through it. But it's our, by, by kind of making him this kind of comic shaped guy and then making it sort of silly, um, it kind of cuts into that undercurrent, and then this scene where uh, somebody sees him on set and just redresses him up as a cowboy. Uh, just now, I'm I'm just completely lost with the tone of this issue. Is it supposed to be funny or serious? It's inconsistent,
1: right? Because even when we get inter, when we go back to California and we're meeting Ginger Baron, she's there. She's prim and proper. She's filing her nails, and she's got all these comical lawyers and PAs behind her. Um,
0: or is this just like Chris Claremont's like, we're going to do Hollywood and we're going to make the Hollywood part ridiculous.
1: I don't know because the entire Hollywood parts, not entirely ridiculous. A lot of it is, I suppose. Yeah, maybe I I guess you're right. I think the majority of the Hollywood stuff is all goofy looking and the rest of the tone of the issue is pretty serious. I don't know. It, it doesn't, it's not cohesive. Like if you're going to do this, like maybe do the entire issue like this and then don't do
0: any of the other subplots. It's sort of—I mean, it's—it's it's a very dark concept, but then they do it in a kind of a comical matter, Yes. And they never really, they never really—I mean, that can that can work, yeah. But here it just doesn't; like it never really connects the dots that they need to. All
1: right, because then we get we get a punchline here. They dress them all up as this this cowboy. His, his shirt's too small, so it's kind of open he's all confused as what's happening and then they roll the, the sound and the speed and the camera somebody called the director calls action uh and another guy punches him in the face which doesn't really make any sense because you also see ginger bear and fred stanichek and dazzler walking away in the background which I feel like you would have cleared your set before filming this uh scene of, <laughs> <laughs> of eric beale being punched in the face but that's the comic beat that occurs
0: Maybe this whole issue is Chris Claremont's homage to the Dazzler comic mm. in in that it, it it was it was always very serious yet very stupid, not necessarily on purpose, but maybe like this is this is Chris Claremont kind of playing with that Dazzler kind of soap opera esh uh comic book. Maybe I'm giving too much credit, but I don't know
1: i don't know either then we go to the next panel where ginger's got all of her her people behind her they're all comical looking again and uh, and they're talking through how they're gonna have to cast her in an appropriate image get her all prepped prepped and ready for the big premiere Um, they sit her into a chair and start cutting her hair and getting her all dressed and she's like hey by the way i can't be recorded or photographed (laughs) so this is all kind of pointless and they're like, "Yeah, hey, don't worry about it. We got to do this. It's part of the business. Eric Beale somehow gets set up
0: in the same hairdresser's room. Well, he walks in and he's pulling his gun out of his shirt. And then he immediately gets stopped by two hairdressers. who are just like, whatever are we to make of this? unholy mess. <laughs> and he puts his gun away later. Be patient. Wait for the moment. It'll come. And then they give him a makeover.
1: They give him a makeover. And, and I guess while he's getting a makeover... In the same room, maybe in a different room, we don't really know. She sets she gets on a whole bunch of different outfits, uh, as they try to create her image.
0: They give her well I guess I guess the Sandra D is Sandra D. hmm. The uh, Grace the Grace Kelly is very Grace Kelly, okay. Two MTV, that's not a specific person. Too much is Madonna, it looks like.
1: Well, two MTV is like she's got leopard print boots and shorts. Like this is I guess your typical MTV vidiette.
0: So Sandra uh. D is like what, the twenties, the thirties? Grace Kelly is like the sixties, maybe the fifties or the sixties? I don't
1: know who Sandra D is other than a reference from Greece. That's a good question.
0: I was gonna ask you <laughs> that. Is Sandra D a character from Greece or is it a real person? Uh,
1: Sandra D is um Olivia Newton John from Greece.
0: Does she wear this outfit? You know, I've never seen Greece.
1: I think in the beginning of Greece, uh, um, Olivia Newton-John and um, John Travolta, they meet on a beach, and uh, she's very she's from Australia, and she's very timid and, and reserved, and John Travolta's like, hey. <laughs> he's him, and then uh, so they have their summer fling, and then the movie kind of starts with... Uh, what'd you do over the summer and then they sing a song And then uh, a new girl comes to, to the school it's, it's Olivia Newton-John And and she meets up with Rizzo And, and the rest of I don't remember what their names are they, I think there was a so, name for their club And they're like, who are you? And what did you do this summer? And she's like, I met a guy And then they sing a duet John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John Kind of like in side by side They don't actually know they're at the same school But they're singing the same song And then eventually they bump into each other And they're from like two different sides of the tracks Adam and then at the end of
0: the movie, I won't spoil
1: it, because you should watch it. It's a fun ride.
0: That's okay. I Actually, <laughs> actually I, I've seen the end. Okay. Um, I've seen bits and pieces of it, but I, I've definitely seen the end. Um, uh, this has been the Greece Podcast with Adam and Jeremy. Um,
1: now you know that I know too much about Greece.
0: <laughs> so you said Rizzo, and I immediately started thinking Ratso Rizzo. And I was mm-hmm. like, is that where you got the name Ratso Rizzo from? Then I remembered, oh, wait, no, there's a character named Rizzo Ratso in – Whatever that movie was, The Muppets Yeah, the Muppets Razzo Rizzo, or is it Rizzo Razzo? Now I'm confused. There's another character played by that guy in that other movie. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about who's the who brought no, not Robert de Niro. who's the um oh boy this is, this is like pulling it out. Uh, the John Voigt you know you, you know John Voigt, right? Absolutely. So he was in like only a handful of movies, or at least well-known ones. And the one he plays is the Cowboy. Midnight Cowboy, that's what it is, right? I've never seen that. Okay, so so in Midnight Cowboy, uh, Dustin Hoffman, this is all coming back to me, plays either Ratso Rizzo or Rizzo Ratso, the opposite of the Muppet character. And the Muppet character is based on him. Oh, okay. You should see it if you haven't seen it. It's another one of the Blu-rays that I own that I haven't opened. So um, Betty
1: Rizzo was played by Stockard Channing. You probably know who she is, right?
0: Uh, the name sounds familiar.
1: Oh, she'd been in a ton of things.
0: Okay. She so she was in uh she was in Greece? Are we back to Greece?
1: Yes. I was okay. closing the loop on the the female Rizzo. I, I just don't remember what their club was named. It doesn't matter.
0: They weren't the Greasers? No. The Grease gang?
1: No, I want to say that I wanna say that John Travolta and his gang were like the T-Birds or something <laughs> and then I don't remember what the girl the girls all had a name too but I don't remember what it was
0: anyways the, <laughs> only, the only song in my head right now is because I'm a blonde yeah 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 which has nothing to do with any of that but somehow it must connect isn't that like that's from Earth Girls are easy okay but who sings that Gina Davis maybe Do you think so no I don't know hmm. could be but at this point I'm just throwing names out in the ether <laughs>
1: All right. Um anyways, so. so she and Earth Girls are easy.
0: I think so. Pretty okay, sure. maybe it was her
1: then. Yeah, could be. I, I Wasn't Jeff Goldblum in that movie too? He was. Yeah. And uh Jim Carrey? Oh, I didn't I don't know that I've actually seen that movie end to end. I don't think I have
0: either. <laughs> Funny.
1: Anyways, uh, so they finally settle on the perfect Dazzler, which is more or less the same Dazzler that walked in. It's just now she's got a green dress and maybe a little bit more uh, trimmed up hair.
0: Yeah, it essentially is sort of the same outfit. I, I mean, I guess... It's green
1: instead of blue. It's kind of got the same cut and everything. It's less punky. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, does she walk in? Yeah, I suppose. The blue-black probably gives it a punky look when she walks in. Yeah. And now it's just kind of just green. And uh, so the people that were were giving um, Eric Beale a makeover, they've made him into like an old timey bartender.
0: Or is it like one of those old timey, twir- old timey twirly mustache villains?
1: Oh, maybe that's is probably what they were like- going for.
0: He's supposed to be the guy that ties the the lady to the train or something like that. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think that's what they were going for. But I just see, like, kind of a grumpy bartender.
0: (laughs) I see that, too. Yeah.
1: And then he's like, what? She's gone. And they're like, Dazzler? Left positively
0: ages ago. I'm sure that these two uh, hairdressers are supposed to be flamboyantly gay.
1: Oh, sure. Of course. I wasn't trying to make them gay. I was trying to give them, like, a, a Los Angeles Valley person i just feel like that's what, ages
0: ago based on all the way that they're talking and the way that they have their hands kind of yeah around in that sort of stereotypical way yeah. i feel that's what they're going for 90s gay yep i think you're right because in chris claremont's mind yep hairdressers cannot be yeah. male sure unless they're gay sure i don't know if that's true or not
1: i don't know what that says about you adam but i never actually saw that in this panel but now that you've said
0: it i see it yeah. Oh well I guess I guess I, I recognize stereotypes better <laughs> than you. Hmm.
1: Anyways, uh on Kyranos, half a world away, Banshee and Forge are hanging out with Scylla 'cause they're uh they're gonna go
0: oh they're gonna go to Cairo, Egypt to follow up on the storm lead. Is this a redesign of Banshee that is purposely supposed to evoke Robert Redford? I don't know, but I love it. I, I like it, too. I mean, it's very Robert Redford, but I like it.
1: Yeah, he's got the sideburns, got the big wavy hair. Um, it's good. And then the big big uh, aviator, well, they're not aviator sunglasses, but just big sunglasses.
0: We're in the 90s, but this comic is still in the 80s.
1: Yeah, but I also think that they're trying to say, like, Banshee, he's like a 40-year-old man. Like, he, he's not hip.
0: Yeah, I suppose. Yeah.
1: And then you've got Forge, who's, who's uh cowboy hat jeans denim shirt probably drinking a sody pop little one too they talk it's it's a shorty they talk about moira and how much she's changed and and uh banshee like,
0: doesn't exactly oh. trust her as as far as uh, as far as she's concerned she hasn't changed none of the people on muir island have to moira they've all the same as they've ever been um ford says figure something's wrong and banshee says perhaps so perhaps not doesn't it to play things a little safe? Uh, yeah, about, yeah, Irish, Scottish, <laughs> Irish. <laughs>
1: uh, yep, so they're here, and they haven't, I guess, told Moira about what's happening.
0: Well, it, it's, it's like Banshee's secret plan that only Forge is in on.
1: Yep. Lorna Dane told us the X-Men are still alive. Reavers attacked us like they're alive, so we've got to go find them. We see a yacht parked out in the bay for some reason. That will become clear soon. Yes, that's uh, true. I didn't notice that the first time around. Scylla's, she's like, all right, come on, get in the plane. And I don't really understand the game here, because she talks as if Banshee's going to get on the airplane, gives him a copy of People magazine, which features a woman that looks shockingly like Dazzler.
0: What do you mean you don't understand the game?
1: Well, he says, "Um, are you ready to roll? Sean climb aboard
0: Uh, And 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 she They are And then she says This is This is for reading While we're en route To wherever it is We're going Yep She gives them The latest issue of people And then they're like No we're not getting On that plane They don't say that
1: though That they're missing a panel Because it says here uh, A read For uh, A read For en route Latest issue And she's like Forge And then Silla's in the airplane Says you sure Cassidy Yeah go on without us Silla we'll make other arrangements they're missing a later. Yeah, dot, I don't know. Dot, I, dot. I just, I I feel like this panel of the airplane, it should have been two panels, and it should have been Banshee and Forge looking at each other, and so someone saying, we gotta go find her, and then we cut to uh, the airplane taking off. But anyways, whatever. It
0: didn't, it didn't throw me off at all.
1: It threw me off, because I'm like, well, I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> it could have used a later, or, or like... Uh... But even, no, I guess. even Forge doesn't know what's happening because he's like, well, uh, what gives? And she's like, Dazzler, Alison Blair, nice likeness, artwork, not a photo soul." She's in Hollywood. We got to go find her. I figured we'd pick her up, then move on to Cairo. Glory. See, I feel like if Forge knew this plan, he'd be like, no, no, no. We're going to go to Cairo first because I had this vision of the... That's why
0: Banshee didn't tell her him first.
1: Yeah, but I also feel like Forge would be like, whoa, stop the plane. Like, we, we're going, like, Egypt, come on. Come on, Sean.
0: Trust me on this one, Sean, or uh, uh, Forge.
1: <laughs> no. You don't want to go on the plane. The woman I love who I saw die in front of me, she's alive in Cairo. We're going to go I'll tell now. you all about it after the plane leaves. Well, why don't you just tell me now before the plane leaves? No, I'm not going to do that. Well, but, well then I'm going to get on the plane no no you're not i'm holding you back no i'm i am cheyenne and i have powers i'm gonna conjure a demon let me go
0: (laughs) i'm flying now we're in the (laughs) air you can't escape me
1: yeah all right there you go Ah! (laughs) so uh, evidently after they land and have that uh that whole back and forth uh, that's when Scylla and her airplane explode zabam
0: so I thought this this the other we had that conversation. It reminds me. I watched this movie the other day. It was like a uh, it's like an Indian um, what are those uh, a Bollywood film. It's like an early Bollywood film from the '60s. Um, and there's a scene. It's it's based on an Agatha Christie uh, murder mystery. And there's a scene where all of these people who have been selected supposedly at random are on a plane, and the plane goes to land. Uh, and the, well, the, the, the pilot says, uh, our engine is given out. We have to make an emergency landing. And then he gets everybody off the plane and he says, the, the engine will take about two hours to repair. Why don't you all go for a walk? They turn around to start going for a walk and the plane takes off and they all turn around and they're like, what? And it was like, it was so dumb, but it was sort of hilarious at the same time. Mm. That's what this reminds me of.
1: Th- I think that's what happened here. Exactly. Um and we find out that the people that blew up the airplane was none other than Andrea and Andreas Strucker.
0: Which I was like, why?
1: <laughs> we haven't seen them since X Men number two hundred, if
0: I'm not mistaken. Well, they did appear briefly in an issue of Cloak and Dagger. Well. It was it was part of the Acts of Vengeance. Okay. I don't know if Chris Claremont read that or if acknowledges it. <laughs> But they certainly don't acknowledge it here. No. And so
1: as the wreckage of the airplane's falling, uh, Andrea blows it up as well. So Scylla's vaporized. Airplane's vaporized.
0: Well, I think she also blows up the airport because she well, says that could be. uh, now to deal with possible loose ends less hanging around that pathetic little airstrip. So ah. I think she, she assumes that if they're not on the plane or if somebody saw the plane blow up, they're, they're going to blow that up too. But we quickly realized that Sean and uh, uh, Forge have escaped, for <laughs> probably with a similar conversation, uh, where uh, Banshee was like, "I really think we should leave now and very quickly." I don't know why I just had a feeling. And Forge is like, "Well, I've trusted you this far,"
1: <laughs> uh, and it looks like Banshee can talk while he's flying, or I wonder if he's like screaming. And then, and then saying, far as everyone's ah, concerned, ah, we just died. Ah. And then they just keep dipping up and down, and Forge is like, shut up, I'm getting
0: airsick. I feel like if you could come up for a, a reason for this, you could win a, a no prize. Yeah,
1: I think he's screaming between words.
0: Okay. And uh, Forge,
1: uh, this is a, a move that they've practiced uh, so that um, Banshee can communicate with the team. So they're trained to filter out the sonic screaming of Banshee.
0: Or maybe because he's low to the ground, he um, he doesn't need to scream to fly.
1: That doesn't make any sense.
0: It's a new power.
1: <laughs> okay. Secondary ah, mutation. My my throat hurts, and now I can just levitate. Anyways, we flip our <laughs> attention to a beach at Malibu.
0: And for some reason, Banshee, or Banshee, uh, Dazzler is alone in a dress, um, I, late did, for the prom. <laughs>
1: Yeah, she's waiting. She's waiting for her date.
0: Um, well, she's she's going to a gala premiere, so I guess that's why she's dressed up. She's got her hair did, all that stuff, and um,
1: is. But is this part of the plan? Like, it's it seems weird for her to be walking to a Hollywood premiere and be in the middle of nowhere with nobody around.
0: It's true, but she's not even like she she she's if you if you read up all of her thoughts she's not even concerned about the guy until the end of the thoughts so it's like all this stuff about like oh all about my life and hollywood and is this what life is about acquiring stuff was this the real me and then she says not even a sign of all, in all this time of my unknown assailant so it's like they've pretty much forgotten about him sure probably scared him off and that's when
1: a cop on a three-wheeler who's actually eric beal hits her on the head with a billy club
0: which seems like a lot of setup for very little <laughs> payoff.
1: Not too I, sh-
0: did, I, did, I did all this work to get this little uh, this cop car, or this cop motorcycle and this outfit, and uh, all I'm going to do is sneak up and hit her in the back of the head. I also think
1: she's on a beach, so maybe she's quietly reflecting, you know, as one does at, at dusk near the crashing waves. Yeah. Um,
0: well, she's she says she's late, or she's she needs to get a move on because she doesn't want to miss her gala premiere. Yeah. So, so she's on her way somewhere. Um, she's near a bench. I don't know. Is she waiting for a bus?
1: I don't know. I feel like with those little those little stands, those house stands, uh, and he's on a three wheeler, which I feel like is a, a vehicle that a makes beach, a lot of noise. Well, a beach cop would drive. So I don't know why you would drive that in town. In fact, do you remember Police Academy? I want to say it was Police Academy Two, maybe Three. Mahoney um, is driving down the beach on a three wheeler, and he's he's telling like boys from his old gang they got to get off the beach and stop causing trouble because he's a cop
0: now. I think that's two. It might be because I recently like recently like a few months ago rewatched two, and then I started rewatching three, and three just starts out with. Uh, everybody going to the Academy and that's as far as I got. Okay. Uh, uh, two is the first one with Bob Goldway, who frankly is my favorite part <laughs> of the series. Uh, I, I Two, I like two. I like two. I like three. I don't remember anything beyond that. I never really cared for one because I was a kid at the time and it seemed a bit more adult than I was. But as of two, they started making it more kid friendly, I think. And then there was a cartoon and a toy line.
1: Oh gosh, yeah, I remember the cartoon. I don't remember the toy line.
0: And uh, yeah, Bobcat Goldway, He was the best part. Started out as a villain, eventually became a cop.
1: Yeah, but not only that, he was like the 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 badass street villain, and then he went to like chubby goofy cop,
0: <laughs> which well was he was sort of a chubby goofy badass tree villain I mean he was he was played for comic effect he made
1: a movie about uh, a girl who had a bestial relationship but then like th- the movie's not about that the movie is about like she's dating a guy and, and they're in love and I didn't see this movie I only saw him describing it and I was like that's fascinating but I don't know that I actually want to see this movie so they confessed in, in their secrets They're like oh yeah I dated this person I did this person and then she's like I had sex with a dog once and 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 like the rest of the movie i think is about them dealing with it and the way he explained it like that pitch meeting must have been like you want to make a movie about what but when he (laughs) describes it, i was like it's an interesting like uncomfortable certainly uh uh topic to go into um
0: this is one of the movies he directed
1: i I don't know if he i think he directed it but he may have written it too I, i don't know
0: He's. It sounds. It sounds like something that he would direct because the the movies that I've seen that he's directed are very similar to that. Where it's just these uncomfortable situations in regular life that you just kind of have to deal with.
1: Yeah. So I mean, if if you're if you can't make your niche uh, somewhere else, then then <laughs> go left and make make a crazy. You're gonna you're gonna find an audience for sure, and people are gonna talk about you. But, anyways uh yeah he had a he had quite the transition in the the police academy uh, police academy movies for sure yeah. still the best part what was um my wife and i and i don't know why police academy is like we were just talking about it like two days ago literally <laughs> and, and i couldn't remember um um the guy who makes the noise his real last name is winslow right uh um, like, is it michael Winslow? Mike, yeah michael yeah. Winslow. but i can't remember his character name
0: See, I want to say Hightower, but that's no. obviously not him. That's the super tall guy. Yep. Um, yeah, I don't remember either. Let's just call him Screech. No. <laughs> uh, Urkel. No. I'm just remembering all the characters that make noises. <laughs> Urkel makes noises, doesn't he? Isn't he all like or whatever? Well, he's uh, got the, a stupid laugh. But the thing about his character is rewatching those movies. Um, all of his character, like his mouth vocalizations and his throwing the sounds, it makes no sense the way they use it at all. It's just like, oh, that's not real. That's just stupid.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, Lieutenant or Cadet Larvel Jones. Okay. I think they just called him Jones a lot.
0: Jones? I think he he was a major character in the cartoon, as I recall.
1: I. It's funny because uh, the police Academy one is, is kind of like a, like a, um, what would you call it? It's like a, it's a comedy. There's some nudity. There's some, um, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like there's the scene where, um, Steve Gutenberg is underneath the podium with a girl. And, uh, uh, Commandant Lassard goes up to make his speech and he's like, Oh, oh, he gets all uncomfortable as if somebody's doing something to him for some reason. Oh, he, I think it's Steve Gutenberg hires a prostitute to distract Commandant Lassard. And then when the, when Commandant Lassard gets done, he pulls back the curtain into Steve Gutenberg in the podium and he kind of waves, like, Ha ha ha. But it was <laughs> it was really this prostitute that Steve, Steve Gutenberg hired. Um, hijinks, comedic, um, um,
0: I don't know what you'd call that. It's in the same vein as like Porky's or uh, even like uh, almost a Caddyshack, although Caddyshack, maybe not so much. Yeah, I think in the, the vein in of a, all of those. It's how, like an 80, 80s screwball comedy.
1: Yeah, right. Um, and so um, how that turned into, and and I think the first two, I think were rated R. Um, 3 might have also been rated R but then I think 4, 5 and etc s- slowly worked their way back down to PG and then you ended up with the Police Academy cartoon and action
0: figures. I feel like by the second one it's already like kid friendly
1: I feel like there might have been some nudity there, or something or swearing. There's, or,
0: there's probably some inappropriate stuff in the same way that there's inappropriate stuff in Ghostbusters but by the time you get to There's two, nothing
1: inappropriate in Ghostbusters Ghostbusters is a perfect movie
0: there's inappropriate stuff if like you're what? if you're if you're a kid there's the 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 race dance sleeping wakes up with a <laughs> with a ghost scene yeah that's that's the
1: that's that's the only scene that makes that movie not perfect I really wish <laughs> like, actually somebody would just cut that scene out and release the d v d because it's it's a you, dumb scene doesn 't make any you sense could, you could do that <laughs> <laughs> you could be the guy you know what movie is um like really offensive when it comes to like the 80s screwball um revenge of the nerds
0: oh yeah there's there's the whole uh i forget i forget how it ends but i've heard like there's like implied rape or something the <laughs> way that it, it it's done or something like that i i haven't seen it in like a billion years and i know uh, well there's not
1: only that I mean because there's that and it's not like violent rape or anything like that but it's well, he, 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 he roofies somebody or something like that I don't think there's a roofie but there's a scene where the main nerd is dressed up in a costume goes into the fun house with the girl that he's been after who's dating the jock and they 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 start making out and stuff and he wants she wants to pull the mask off he's like oh no 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 and then and then he does things to her and then he he shows up and he's got his mask off and she's like oh my god you're that nerd and then she's like but it's okay because you made me (laughs) yeah it's like it's your it's your
0: it's your classic non consensual sex turned hilarious yeah exactly um
1: probably wouldn't pass the you know the 21st century test uh, certainly is not passing any Bechdel test. But my point is, is that movie, like, uh, like um, my wife and I sat down to watch it. because like, this movie's funny. I remember watching it as a kid. And I was like, really? Because I remember it being, like, kind of, like, really dirty. Uh, there's, like, a, an amazing amount of nudity. Like, so much nudity, you're like, I can't believe this is rated R. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's offensive, right? Some of the, like, not just, like, they they hide cameras in the sorority house, and they're like... Checking them out while they change and stuff. It's, you yeah. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> sexual harassment is hilarious. So, anyways, uh, Police Academy is not that bad, though.
0: I have not seen the first one since the first time I saw it as a kid. And as a kid, I just felt like it was too adult for me. Uh, maybe I like it now. Who knows? I think I prefer two over one. And I do too, and that's because for me, as a kid, I could get into two it it was i maybe it was maybe it's because it's dumber I'm not really sure why it, it appeals to me more as a kid, but maybe it's because of Bobcat goldway probably that's that's probably what it is actually
1: anyways, back at the uh premiere of the movie, they're all wondering where Dazzler is, and somebody comments that Roman Nicoba is here,
0: yeah, which is a, a reference to the Dazzler uh comic book or a graphic novel. And then there's a panel with a really tall person. And I, and I, there's no, there's no rhyme or reason for why I think this, but I feel like the tall person who's off panel is Jim shooter.
1: Oh, I think you're right. Cause this doesn't make any sense. Cause th- there's a short man, gray hair, kind of overweight. And as we talked about last episode, that was Roman Nikobas. He would get up. He was just, all old and frail and as he walked through his house he would get his makeup on and his girdle on and he would then be the dashing uh aging actor and so as you read this as he's like quit grepsing boobala enjoy gotta give credit where credit's due big guy this moment couldn't have happened without you and i'm like is this like roman's agent and the tall guy is jim shooter but i think this is roman talking to jim shooter i think you've got him
0: And the only reason that I would have put that together is because I saw Jim Shooter once, and he is very tall.
1: I think they point that out a lot in the um, uh, Marvel bullpen
0: segments. That makes sense. Yeah.
1: Anyways, uh, Eric Beale's watching this whole thing unfold on TV, uh, and he's got Dazzler. He's changed her into her Dazzler outfit, her classic Dazzler outfit, with roller skates and the... The high collars, and uh, I guess has put like pantyhose bag over her head,
0: and also uh, tying her arms together. Another pantyhose. Yeah. And you can tell that they're because of all the uh, the the mannequins that have been destroyed of Dazzler's around. You can tell that they're back at his mansion. He has his
1: sword out, uh, and he's he's yelling at her like, "Ah, oh, uh, I loved you, but that wasn't good enough." My turn to get even, and uh, Dazzler shoots him with her light, concentrated photon light eyes.
0: Oh, did we miss the part where she actually says dazzle blast, or is that coming up? <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. Oh, I, maybe, maybe it hasn't happened yet. But I, I noticed that at some point she says, "Yeah, it must not have happened." So she's she tries to stand up, but she can't because
1: she's got roller skates. She's like, oh, man, roller skates. And What's then she,
0: going on?
1: She finally looks around. and She's like, oh, my God, mannequins, pictures, all of me. It's crazy.
0: So she, when she blasted her with her eye beams, she punched holes into the nylon. And so now she can see.
1: Yep. Um, my shot didn't affect him. Oh, I think this is, I feel like she makes a drug reference somewhere here that he's like all hopped up. Maybe not. Oh, okay. I don't remember. Maybe not. I might have made that up. Uh um, my shot didn't affect him, can't fall down again. That's curtains for sure. And uh then she does say, He's right, it's taking all my concentration to manifest a stare a stroboscopic flashbulb dazzle blast.
0: Someone somewhere in a video game in the video game world read this and was like Dazzle Blast. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs>
1: I can I, work with that. I really wish stroboscopic flashbulb dazzle blast would have gotten more mileage, though.
0: <laughs> <laughs> stroboscopic flashbulb dazzleblast, stroboscopic dazzleblast. <laughs> That's no, too hard.
1: Well, he's blind to try to kick him down, so so he kicks her, or she kicks him. She, she kicks him. Ah, here here it is. So he gets back up, and he's like, she's like, he's so whacked, he simply shrugs off any physical blows. So I feel like whacked is a reference to being hopped up on coke.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Brighter you flare, the faster you'll fade. And she thinks if she can, even if she can generate her laser, what is she going to do with it? Maim the man, kill him. What's her? What's her alternative? Uh, you don't want me to do this, Mister Beale. Think fast, Skippy. She thinks to herself.
1: Yep, bringing it back. Uh, more than anything, sweetness. But if you'll, but if I'll, uh, but if I'll make, but if it'll make you feel better, hold that pose, hold that thought. Be over and just before
0: you know it. Has to be another way. He's irrational, obsessed, impossible to reason with. Chemicals from the drugs, drugs hyping his emotional instability to the ultimate extreme. Suppose then I try to bypass, bypass his cognitive f- faculties, reach into his back brain. What? <laughs> <And> use my <laughs> light to alter his mood.
1: Yeah, so she projects lights into the Pretty back colors. of his head. To subdue him and, and I guess show him the prettiest imagery he's ever seen. He relaxes, he falls to his knees, and he's like, No more, I beg you no more. I never imagined it's possible to behold such glory. To feel so
0: he gets cut off. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> Only the first step down the road, Eric. The rest of the way you'll have to go on your own. So Dazzler has a new power. <laughs> it's uh flooding people's brains with Pretty colors, yeah, which which makes them mellow.
1: Is that my answer to use my light to help people to make them feel better about themselves and their world to bring them in big ways and small joy,
0: which is really all she ever wanted to do with her music. That's true, but she's she's very different now. She's an adult. True, true that. So the thing is, like every every issue in this run is kind of good, and I think it's just because like this is. This is when Chris Claremont has, at this point, hit his stride, and it doesn't really. I mean, when we're do when we do them sort of this way, it's it's a little bit different. But I think this is just generally a good run of X Men. So even even the issues that may not meet the par of the greatest issues of the X Men of all time are still pretty good.
1: Yeah, um, I am probably the least uh, of the things I've read. I'm probably not as familiar with this as I am some of the older stuff, but I always remember it being um, competent, if that makes any sense. Interesting, it's different, right? Because it's it's a little less action-packed. Um, we're not really dealing too much with like big supervillains. We're dealing more with uh, character development, I guess, um, which is kind of nice, and I think that's probably the whole point of, of what Chris Claremont's doing in these issues, and, and sending them through the Siege Perilous is like, alright, well... I don't know if he, like, ran out of steam for the Australia story, or if this was always the plan of, like, okay, the X-Men have done all these things. Uh, Follow the mutants. We'll kill them. We'll do some things. Just seems like a lot of work to get to this point where we're reinventing, so I just wonder if he had, like, a creative change of mind, or if he just kind of ran out of, like, well, now what am I going to do? Like, can't really bring back classic villains, because they all think the X-Men are dead. Can't keep fighting the Marauders, and um, oceans,
0: Yeah, I guess at some point when you kill off all your main characters to the world, you have to eventually bring them back. So this is, I think, uh, maybe he's just like writing down, this is this is the path. We're sure. going to go to Australia. They're you're going to go into the Siege Perilous. They're all going to disappear for a while and be reborn without their memories. I'm going to slowly rebuild the X Men. It's going to be great. Yeah,
1: and I don't. Hi. Yeah, I'm. I'm uh, curious because I, I um, feel like I've read this section once through, maybe, maybe twice through, and I, I don't remember much.
0: I've only read it once through, yeah. So I don't remember this all that well. But I'm. I'm enjoying it. I mean, I. I never really met a Chris Claremont book that I didn't like. Right. So, what can I say?
1: There you go. So, uh, join in. Let us know what you think. Uh, www.xmenpodcast.com, facebook.com/forward/slash/dangerroompodcast, twitter us at dangerroomgo, email us x or dangerroom at xmenpodcast.com, go out to iTunes, uh, subscribe to us, leave us a review, some stars, and head out to www.patreon.com/forward/slash/dangerroom where we've got other content, uh, things that uh, tons of things, so many things, and you can give us money.
0: That's true. You can always give us money.
1: <laughs> and our theme music is provided by Laszlo Uh A little bit more to cover here. Um, I read uh, Excalibur number 21.
0: Oh, I, that's good because I, I also read it and I, I don't – I'm lost. <laughs> um, it, I mean, it's not like it's hard to follow or anything. I just don't understand why we're here.
1: I don't really know what's happening at all either. This one is <laughs> – yeah, it's not um, Alan Davis anymore. We've got some other guy, Chris Wozniak, as yeah. the seller who has he, he has his own flair. It's definitely not uh, Alan Davis, but it's also it's it's good. I, I like it. It's different. It's um, kind
0: of got some Art Adams vibe going on here. Kind of, of a little less <laughs> detailed, maybe mixed with like some John Romita with the kind of blocky faces.
1: Yeah. So as near as I can tell. We start off in a reality where Captain Britain is a superhero known as Crusader X, and he's got a whole history uh, with the police. There's one police guy who's like, I don't like supers. They killed my wife or something like that, which interestingly Mm -hmm. enough, it's like the plot of The Boys. Have you watched The Boys?
0: I haven't watched The Boys. I've always, Hmm. well, always. I've meant to. The Boys is good. Um, I liked it. I guess I've always meant to read The Boys, but I haven't done that either.
1: Well, the series is good. I've not read it either. Um, the Excalibur train shows up and they're trying to investigate the mystery. Um, meanwhile, Kitty is in, I think the real world, but she's in, Bro- believe so. Yes. Brian's house. I, I, I don't know where Jamie is. Uh, cause I think he's in that other
0: reality. Well, no, Jamie is okay. Yeah, you're right. I don't know where he is. Uh, I think he's in our world though, or the real world. Could the Excalibur be. real world could be because last issue Kitty encountered him in the Excalibur real world at the same time as Excalibur encountered him in the the fake world that they were in at the time that was like race cars and anime.
1: Right. Um, I feel like this is new information. We 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 find out that Kitty's parents are in the federal
0: witness protection program. Yeah, I I wasn't sure what that <laughs> was about. Okay.
1: So, uh, yeah, that made me kind of question, like, what reality she's in, but I'm pretty sure, like, Excalibur is still stuck in the cross-time caper-verse, and Kitty's in the real world, and she's like, oh, I lost the X-Men, now I lost Excalibur. And then she's like, I can't even go back home because my parents are in the Federal Witness program, and if I go see with them, I gotta join the program, too. And I'm like, what? when did that happen?
0: <laughs> but. Or why? Right. Maybe like what it, happened in Kitty's life that they had to go, or their, I guess their lives, that oh. they had to go into the witness protection program?
1: Well, first of all, Kitty's parents got divorced, which was like a big deal, if I recall correctly. And then uh, Kitty Pride and Wolverine, like her dad got caught in like some bank fraud stuff. I thought it was kind and, of what kicked off that adventure.
0: Okay. And then ninjas. And then ninjas. Uh, but uh, So is that why he's in the witness protection program? Because of ninjas? Sure. Because of ninjas. All right, we'll say that that works for me because I they, I think you're right. That's the last time we saw him, and did they ever get back together? I
1: I don't know. <laughs> okay, <laughs> We're uh, on the same page. <laughs> and so in the alternate reality, Jean Grey, uh, she shows up and uh, she's she's corrupted by Jason Wingard once again to become the Shadow Queen, uh, and she's got like a cool Batmobile, like nineties um, or uh, Batman '89 Batmobile car. <laughs> it's pretty dope that she's driving around and this is causing some weird connection to rachel who who feels it and she's like oh something's up jeans my mom she's in trouble we gotta go get her and then i guess in this hellfire club the um uh that dude the shadow king he's there shadow king yeah, and he's the head of the
0: sh- the secret head of the hellfire club
1: and he's got um emma frost and i think tessa chained up as like little love slaves or something like that
0: i think emma frost is
1: dead i think yes i think he killed emma frost poor miss frost the white queen's as cold and pale as her name hardly the scenario mastermind you guaranteed uh because i guess they were going to use mastermind and emma frost to push jean gray over but then emma died That's- Says
0: there's a psychic backlash, and then I guess that ah. killed Emma. Okay. And then Tony Stark's here for some reason.
1: Yeah. This is. Yes. Yeah, so uh, Shadow King runs everything. I guess I, I kind of
0: start. I skimmed most of this. <laughs> so Tony Stark is making deals with the Shadow King. Uh, he I say Tony Stark because he's got his mask, his Iron Man mask off. So I guess in this world we know who he is. There's a close up of the Shadow King where we just see his black circle eyeglasses and it looks very comical. Got a big, um, big smiley it, grin. And then there then we get the Jamie Braddock stuff. It it does say it's Excalibur's Earth. So I guess that's
1: Is that the real reason. Earth?
0: I think that's real Earth. Okay. Well,
1: there's a lot of weird stuff happening on real Earth with Jamie and there's this Brad,
0: Vivian I... character and Vincent and Vixen. And I don't know who these people are. Are they Excalibur characters? Have we seen them before? I don't know. Whoever they were, they didn't leave an impression on me. So, But Nigel, Nigel Fro, Frobisher shows up, and apparently he's no longer working for Saturnine, which when did that happen? I can't remember, but I thought he was
1: an amalgamation of Saturnine.
0: I think he was, but the the... The crazy gang turned him, him back. Oh, okay. I think they, they temporarily turned him into Saturday night, but then they, they brought him back Okay. eventually. I don't know when he turned to start working with Jamie Madrax. Oh,
1: it was, it was the same issue. It was at the end of the issue, I think.
0: Okay, so that's Jamie the walks issue that up and, Jamie Madrax defeats the crazy gang.
1: Yeah, and, and Nigel, he I think he rescues Nigel, and then they form some sort of connection somehow. I don't okay. know. It's all very confusing.
0: Uh, then we I get think, some I st- think anyway, Jamie Mandrax uh is working with Nigel and and uh and he's a gangster now I guess I don't know. I also I guess in this alternate
1: world like Nightcrawler is a, a super bad villain.
0: I don't know, I don't know why we're doing the Gene Grey story again.
1: No I don't either. Well but this time it's with Shadow King.
0: Right. And so and the, well, the the Shadow King thing I get cuz if if we read that You read that article that said that Chris Claremont was trying to tie everything together into a big crossover. Oh, maybe this is the seeds of that. Like, this is going to bleed over into the real world. I'm thinking so, yeah. I'm thinking the Shadow King is somehow appearing in all the comics at the same time has to do with each other. Yeah,
1: I think you're right. So maybe the cross-time caper was supposed to end with with some bleed over and all this stuff kind of coming to a head. But somehow I don't think that's what happens.
0: No, I don't think so either. Um, but, but I don't know why, like, why is Chris Claremont doing his greatest hits? It's like, we already did Jean Grey in the Hellfire Club. And an, it's an alternate world. I don't know. I guess. It just seems weird.
1: Uh, so Shadow Queen, a.k.a. Jean Grey, Dark Phoenix. She shows up and kills press Professor and Moira. That's um, right. She does. And that's I, when... I forgot about that. Rachel's like, I got to do something about this. Things get super weird uh, and the Shadow King kills Jean just as Rachel shows up and she's like, oh man, I lost my mom again.
0: Something like that. The uh, mother-daughter communicate a little bit mm-hmm. and uh, Jean says, I'm not your mother. I wish I was your mother or something like that. Um, and then the Crusader X shows up and uh, beats up Nightcrawler.
1: Right, because in this reality, Nightcrawler's, like a super
0: evil. And then the rest of Excalibur shows up after Crusader X has taken Nightcrawler away, and suddenly they're like, let's not go after Phoenix, let's go after Nightcrawler, because Phoenix left Nightcrawler behind. To She ran out on her teammate. I mean, you weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what happened. So
1: Rachel is now, as, as Jean dies again, she, she says that it's an eye for nigh, a life for a life. So now she's going to go after the lords of the hellfire in this alternate reality. I think earlier in the book, either Megan or, or Nightcrawler was like, eh, but this isn't like your reality. Like, this isn't like, you don't have to worry about that. She's like, no, it's my mom. Doesn't matter. It's very weird. Um, I was kind of worried that this was what was going to happen with such a long story. It's just going to get crazy. I guess I could also point out that the cover is kind of an homage to issue number one, but oh, yeah, it not, not as well drawn.
0: But um, They stopped numbering the cross-time caper, which isn't a good sign.
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> just going to go on and on and on. New Mutants number 88. I'm going to be honest, Adam. I actually enjoyed this read. Uh, yeah, it was pretty good. I mean, it's it's it's... It's... it's I think here's the problem I have with the new mutants is I think um feel like Chris Claremont and uh and then ultimately what Louise Simonson I think they they were trying something different and um it didn't to me uh, I guess it focused more on these characters and and their and their development in as mutants in a world that hates and fears them <laughs> to be mm-hmm. cliché uh but didn't really f- feature outside of a little bit of the hellions and emma frost didn't feature kind of like an ongoing narrative or it didn't to me didn't feel that's why i could never get into new mutants cause it was like where are they going with this and it's all <laughs> weird stuff is happening and you know constant art changes and this story not so much the last story because the last story i didn't i think was you know just catching up off of the asgard story this story like i want to say it's like good but it was it moved. It was like a, it was a quick read, and I don't say that in a negative way, like, it it, it was well-paced, there was some action, some good dialogue, some questionable art in places.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, you
1: know. (laughs) But, you know, it's well inked, you know, even like the poor drawings of, like, Blob in, like, his crazy, he's like bending a piece of iron, he's just got, like, wide-eyed and kind of like a mojo mouth. You're like, well, but it's still pretty
0: well-inked. Yeah, I mean <laughs> it's it's very uh, clear what is happening in the art, so it's not it's not like messy. Yeah, it's very, exactly. It's very defined.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I yep I appreciated that because I I bought all of the Rob Liefeld X forces, but I don't remember what any of them were about.
0: I sort of feel like that's what this is too. I don't. I mean, I've to ask this you in a couple months. Yeah, are you going to remember this? Probably um, not. So there's like kind of two stories going on here. And in the one story you got the new mutants reconnecting with X Factor. And then the other story, which I think is the one that Rob Liefeld is more invested in, you have Cable escaping from the Hell or not, not the Hellfire Club, the uh the Brotherhood of or the Freedom Freedom Force.
1: Um, we find out what Skids' last name is, which I just just kind of random (laughs) yeah they just drop it like we got to get rusty colin and skids blevins and you're like wait (laughs) this is new information
0: so wait her name is skids i (laughs) guess that's not her like mutant name
1: you'd think it would be her nickname right or or something because everything skids off of her but then i wonder like is blevins is that a homage or is it just
0: happenstance it probably is it's probably a brett blevins thing
1: yeah anyway that's not it's like well that's weird <laughs> just to drop it like that you heard x-factor's message they want the collins boy and skids Blevins. <laughs> tough we ain't got them anymore mystique the mlf took lord knows where so the other i guess the one thing i don't care about much here is like we get everybody now knows who and what the mlf is and x-factor or sorry uh, freedom force knows, and I guess has had a relationship, or a long-standing relationship with Cable. Uh, Cable's like a government guy who went rogue.
0: Um, yeah, it's, it's sort of like there's all these new things, but they're... But
1: they've been around they, forever.
0: They're, yeah, they're just kind of throwing them in as though they've existed forever, which works when you do it right, but here for some reason it just feels like, oh yeah, that's Cable, I've known him forever! Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't feel, I don't know, authentic? not really sure. It,
1: it's it to me it seems like we're throwing in some some in, we we need we need to throw in some plot information and and so rather than like kind of building up to it or showing it to you we're just going to tell you all about it and then we're going to move on. And
0: right. there's a weird moment where like uh, the MLF shows up on a screen and is saying like we want to free rusty and skids and the new mutants are watching and they say like yeah we love the the Mutant Liberation Front. They're the coolest. <laughs> and then Iceman's like, hey, they're terrorists. Ch- cut it out, you chowderheads.
1: Yeah, and he cools them off by putting his arm around Wolf Spain and Rick. He's got to cool it. <laughs> um, Boom Boom has a... I feel like um, Rob Liefeld's like, I don't want to draw a teeny bopper Boom Boom anymore.
0: Yeah, I <laughs> know. Uh, this is this is totally this is totally like this. This for me is the uh, this is one of those telltale signs that we're in the '90s now. Uh, Rob Liefeld just took a character that was drawn a specific way and decided he wants to draw her a different way. So, and now there's a plot where she comes out in a Skippy dress, so, and so she boom. looks like Skids did in the last issue. <laughs> yeah. So, boom, boom. When we were introduced to her, she's kind of like a she's
1: a scrappy. 14 year old runaway dressed all, you know, in, in kid like clothes. Um, I wouldn't call her sexy, right? Uh, no. she, she's just a kid, um, with an attitude, um, a runaway. run for good reason. Right. Um, and then they bring her out, and now she's got hips, and boobs and legs up to here, and she's got this skimpy dress on, and, and uh, instead of having kind of her her hair and like a, like the, the punky bow that she had it, now it's all swept to one side, very much like skids, as you mentioned, and she's the glasses like, are gone. Yeah, yeah, she's like, "Hey boys, <laughs> I was changing." And everyone's like, "Oh, cool." And then she gets all mad because Rick didn't notice. And well, she... if you
0: if you if you go to the previous page in the uh, lower right hand corner, Sam is looking at her as she comes in, and it's hilarious. Just the look on his face is like, zoinks!
1: <laughs> oh yeah, his mouth is wide open, like, oh my god! And uh, we get this this whole little subplot of like, oh, I, I did all this for Rick, and and he's just paying attention to to Wolf Spain. She's gross. And look at me. I'm all nineties hot.
0: Which again feels like a plot I mean, I feel like this is like they should have started this over at issue one. This is New Mutants, <laughs> issue one or two. And you know maybe that's why they eventually did X Force is so that they could kind of, you know, sweep all of this stuff under the rug. Yeah. Everything that was built up to this point doesn't matter anymore, and we're just going we're gonna make these characters be who we want them to be. Which comics do all the time, so I mean it's like it's just what happens
1: and the dialogue here is not especially great so i feel like uh, louise was under pressure to write some crappy dialogue or she it was marvel method and she's like what am i gonna do with these panels but um she's like you don't like what i look like oh i guess you do like what i look like and then rick (laughs) is like yeah it's not bad for white trash (laughs) must that look must be in this year and and she's not like offended she's like oh you're you you are the punk rocker look went out last year and then she's and like you win this time rain you didn't even know you were playing a game so it's just like creating drama out of thin air which i don't feel like much has built up to this I don't feel like no, anything has really. built up to this so i don't know it, it was uh, is interesting and i also you know it, it kind of makes I, me I, feel a little uh gross just because <laughs> you know uh boom boom she's still 14, but they, she, they got her dressed up like a, like a pinup model.
0: This is the nineties. Yeah. Uh, boom, boom before was the eighties. Now, boom, boom, mm. is the nineties. The
1: yeah. Fair enough. So yeah, then, uh, we get some very comical drawings of blob, which I got to be honest, I don't really mind most of these. The one picture I, I kind of laugh at is his gigantic mouth picture. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Uh, they they do the thing where uh, Cable throws up a uh, string in front of Crimson Commando or Super Speed Guy, whatever his name is, Silver Saber. It's not, they, though.
1: This is a mistake. And it took me until just now to figure this out because the blob says, Silver Saber, stop. And I'm like, Silver, Silver Sable? Silver Saber? It just didn't feel right. He's <laughs> Super Saber.
0: Okay. <laughs> So they got him confused with Silver Sable. Right. Okay. <laughs> but Louise Simonson should know better. Well, somebody should have known better. Somebody <laughs> should have caught that.
1: Yeah, it, I was, like, really having a difficult time pronouncing this. I was like, this isn't working. This doesn't feel right. <laughs> and I kept saying Silver Sable. I'm like, isn't that, like, Wolverine's girlfriend or something? <laughs> uh, anyways. Um,
0: so so Cable throws up a tripwire or, a, I guess, a neck tripwire, so that he will just like before run into it, but it's it's shown that he knew that Blob would see it and stop. Super, super saber, <laughs> super before. silver sable saber, <laughs> super super silver surfer saber. Yes, silver sable. surfers in this issue. <laughs> um, so it's like Cable's not that bad. I mean, I mean it could have been wrong and he could have de- like lobbed somebody's head off, but. Whatever.
1: I feel like the editor, and I don't know who the editor is this, of this issue is. Like, wouldn't he send this one page back and be like, y- "You got to redo Blob. Sorry, his <laughs> that mouth is not is not normal."
0: <laughs> no way, man. This is what the kids are love now. Um, who is the? Do you see those McFarlane issues? They're selling like hotcakes. It's Tom well, Defel Kid. He knows McFarlane.
1: Yeah, it's Tom DeFalco, and I think by all accounts, Tom DeFalco is like, "Yep." Let them do whatever they want. Yeah. So selling books. Yep. Um,
0: Um, Rain calls Moira and it's evil Moira. So this kind of ties in with where we are with the uh, X-Men continuity. mm -hmm. And uh, evil Moira, for some reason, wants Rain back now. And she's going to come get her. She doesn't feel like, I mean, I guess who knows what the Shadow King or Legion's plan is. Right. So maybe Legion does want her back. I guess that makes sense. I'm okay with it. Yeah, I wasn't okay with it before, but I just talked myself into it. It's kind of how this whole issue worked.
1: Yeah, I'm okay with it as well. Um, And then the issue uh, ends. uh, Cable gets away, steals a helicopter, flies away. Um, And then the issue just kind of ends kind of like it did last time, where it's like there's no resolution really. It's just, just come back next time, uh, which works for me from a pacing perspective. I like this issue.
0: Cable needs help. He wants to go save skids and uh, Rusty from the uh, the MLF. MLF, and he knows that he needs help this time. Um, I don't know why he's going to go with the New Mutants for his help, but I guess maybe because they know Rusty and his kids. Yeah, well, I guess we'll find out. I can't wait.
1: I'm looking forward to like reading all these New Mutants, and then the first twelve issues of X Force, and then no more.
0: <laughs> Not that <laughs> I'm a Rob Liefeld
1: fan, but I, I feel I think like it's more like the first six. Uh, no, he, they all do like fourteen issues, and then they're out.
0: I don't know, man. I remember I this. Like...
1: We'll have to keep our eyes on it because I remember it was it was like the first twelve issues they all did. Jim Lee, Rob Liefeld, Todd I think McFarlane.
0: McFarlane a... does twelve, but I don't think Jim oh, Lee or Rob Liefeld do you? twelve. I think you might be right. They might have a part like it might. It might say like story by Rob Liefeld or something like that. But I feel like there's one month, or maybe even two. Where
1: there's guest pencilers across all of those books, and then there's their last two issues, and then they're out. Yeah, they had a meeting that yeah, month. Exactly, because <laughs> I, I I don't know. I, I feel like we probably had a conversation of like, well, that's weird. All of our favorite artists aren't drawing this month, right? Uh, except for Jackson Juice, he's still doing Deathlock. I wonder why he didn't get the uh, invitation to the meeting. <laughs>
0: And whoever is doing uh, Ghost Rider at the time, he never gave up. <laughs> uh, you were on deck for Wolverine 23 because
1: I looked at it and I was like, nah, I'm not reading this.
0: It's the last <laughs> of the story of uh, Wolverine versus giant cocaine monster. I read the last um, two pages. Um, yeah, the last two pages tie into X-Men somehow. Yep, sort of. Um, essentially, the La Bandera rallies up the people against to fight the cocaine monster again and they end up sending in uh sister salvation I think to get swallowed uh by the cocaine monster and then she uses her salvation power to burn him away and her her healing powers are gone as far as we know because her hands are all burned and then Wolverine goes after Geist um and Cuts him, cuts him up so that he's basically a uh, shell of a man Since he's mostly robot parts anyway Then the new revolution happens And they don't like Wolverine being in their territory So they send him away And then uh, then there's Madripoor stuff So Wolverine goes back to Madripoor And scares the prince of Madripoor And it's basically wrapping up the whole Madripoor thing It's like Patch is done, we're moving on yeah. Chris Claremont's not writing anymore. We don't feel like doing the Magipore story anymore. Uh, at this point, I think Wolverine just because of a who who's available this month magazine. Oh, okay. Because um, I the next for the next like maybe eight issues before Larry Ama shows up, it just goes from meaningless story to meaningless story. Peter David writes the next issue, and that one might be good. Oh wait, <laughs> no, I know what that one is. That one that one might be one of the all time worst. Um, <laughs> I can't wait. Uh, it's it's yeah it's just dumb. And then at the very end, uh, Magneto shows up. We get one panel of
1: uh, Wolverine returning to the Outback in his Jeep, and he's like, "I got nothing to for. All I got is the X Men, and I'm and they're waiting for me." Right. But at the beginning of the issue, it says this issue takes place before X Men Two Fifty One, so nobody's so waiting wait. for him.
0: So he was driving back in a Jeep. So there's a Jeep here. So maybe mm-hmm. uh,
1: it all ties together.
0: This is exactly what happened right before that. Yep. And then Magneto has a conversation with Geist where he's like, I don't like Nazi war criminals. Um, Let's go inside, my friend. And they go inside. And I'm assuming Magneto's going to mess him up.
1: Yeah, he's got like this little robot thing that Magneto messes up. Yeah. Yeah. So, X-Factor number 53 is... uh... It's an issue of comics. This one was pretty good, although it was all over the place. Um, the cover kind of says it like, Iceman goes on a date. Caliban's
0: triumphant. Sabertooth hunts and Cyclops pops the question. So it's hit or miss. The Cyclops pops the question and the Iceman goes out on a date stuff were g- pretty good. Yeah, the rest the of Caliban triumphant stuff was kind of annoying. And I don't remember Sabertooth hunting. So Did that
1: happened. Let me summarize those two stories. Uh, Caliban is looking for Sabretooth, finds Angel and he's like, "I will prove myself by killing the angel. They fight, and Caliban doesn't kill the angel. Uh, Sabretooth hunts is, is there's a couple of panels with Sabretooth in background shadow panels, and he ultimately catches up with the um, mole. Is it mole., is that yeah, his name? something like that, whatever his name is. Uh, and he's like, "I'm gonna kill him." which is like he's kind of like this helpless dude like <laughs> you're not really proving anything by killing him
0: uh, it's, I think he's he's following up on the Marauders stuff sure and he's probably been hired because at this this point I think Sabretooth is a mercenary for money
1: sure so Gene and Scott they go out on a date but uh, Gene keeps seeing Jason Wingard so I don't know is this kind of like seeping in is there an editorial note like hey let's do stuff with Gene this month
0: it's Jason Wingard month.
1: <laughs> and uh, we also get some, we, we get to see Scott and Gene in a way that we really haven't seen them in quite a while, uh, where they're just, they're just hanging out. They're, they're throwing snowballs at each other. They're rolling around. They're, they're kissing. Um, and uh, eventually, as they're rolling around kissing, Gene uh, keeps having flashes. And she's like, look at those buildings over there. That one looks like a butt have I ever been to Arizona? And then she gets a flashback of Phoenix and Cyclops, uh, kissing on the butt when Cyclops doesn't have his glasses on. And, uh, he's like, Scott's like, it doesn't matter. We love each other. We make each other happy. Marry me. And then she sees visions of Scott saying, Madeline, marry me. And, uh, she's like, no, I, I'm not going to marry you. I'm having all these memories of Phoenix and Madeline, and there's just no room for my memories. I can't. I won't marry you, which is like, whoa. That's fair. It, it's fair, but I mean, if they feel like, given the tumultuous re- things that they've been through, it, like the better thing to say is, I can't marry you right now because I'm not sure of who I am. I would oh. love to have this discovery with you, Scott, and at the m- time that I can... Feel comfortable that I am myself, living my life. Then we can have this conversation.
0: But she's just like—that's the, that, the impression that I got was that that's what it was about. I mean, she didn't. I mean, she she does flat out say I won't marry you, but she does also <laughs> kind of say it's because of me, it's not because of you. She she does say she still loves him. So yeah. you know, it's it's kind of a like she loves him, but she can't marry him right yeah. now. Yeah, and on,
1: all of that makes sense because it it wouldn't be right or fair, and she wouldn't quite know. If what she's feeling is or not what she's feeling, but she wants it to be perfect, I guess that's probably what it boils down to.
0: So it was the one. The weird scene was the you mentioned the butt scene. It's she says, got to. "She says those towers. They remind me of what the bluffs? Scott, have I ever been to Arizona? And he responds, "I don't think so. Why?" Oh, I missed that. Yeah, you're right. He's got to know exactly what she's talking about. It's like uh, does he like uh? Uh, um, no. Well, as I <laughs> or as, theorized... as just like, uh, that wasn't you. <laughs> as I
1: theorized, I'm pretty sure that's where Scott lost his virginity. was on the butt with Phoenix. So Yeah, so
0: you know he remembers it. Y- you'd think that it would have to be very memorable. You would know that he knows exactly what she's talking about. Yeah. And I don't know if Scott is in a place yet where he realizes, like, when he thinks back to the butt, <laughs> is he like, wait, that... That wasn't Gene. That was Phoenix. Um, I
1: yeah, and they could do that, but I feel like they did that in that one issue of X Factor, like X Factor twenty two or twenty three, where Cameron Hodge was doing all the Phoenix imagery, and then Cyclops is like, "No, it's you, Gene. It's Phoenix. You're all one." And she's like, "No, you're crazy." So I feel like that was them dealing with Cyclops' demons. Okay, so they can't can't rehash that. I
0: get okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I think so, but.
1: Uh, otherwise, he's just blocking
0: it all out. Anytime she brings up Madeline, he's like, What? I didn't hear you.
1: Madeline Who? <laughs> I don't know who you're talking about. Phoenix? Uh uh and then uh, Iceman goes out on a date with that record later uh, record store lady and Opal? Mo-
0: Her name is Opal.
1: Opal. And Opal. uh Mole is like super jealous that they're gonna Which is
0: pretty funny because like He's, they, they do a good job of writing mole because he's basically following them around and thinking these thoughts. And he's basically making himself more jealous as he follows.
1: Yep. It was fun. And then the whole time I feel like, uh, Iceman still has like a baby
0: carriage. Yeah, no, he's watching Scott and Jean's kid. But it's like Scott's kid.
1: It's like Robo Baby carriage, so it can pretty much it's autonomous and can pretty much take care of itself. Uh, He tries to take her to like a vegetarian Mexican restaurant, but it's closed. And uh, he reflects a little later on. He's like, Yeah, I I guess I I don't get out much. (laughs) Uh, I don't know when restaurants close, and just wanted to go out and have some fun. Be with somebody I liked, something like that. Been off
0: planet for a couple of issues,
1: and she's like, "Oh, that's cool. You're a real guy. Why don't you come back to my place? And we can eat some leftover pizza." And he, and he's mm-hmm. like, "But well, are you sure that's a good idea? I'm a strange man coming to your apartment." She's like,
0: "Yeah, don't worry about it. You're cool." And that the uh, mole is like, "He inv- she invited him to his pl- her place. She only met me in the cellar."
1: Yep. Ah! <laughs> So then they get to the whole, the end of, uh, well, so as as Mole keeps working himself up, he eventually crashes. Oh, wait, before we
0: get there, I want to talk oh. about this witty banter that they have. Um, Ice Iceman is saying, what do you mean Nintendo's out of date? I haven't even gotten one yet. <laughs> this is 1990s. The Nintendo is not out of date until at least like 92. Come I on. I feel like the Super Nintendo is not out until like at least 91 or 92. Is that right? I, I don't even think Super Mario Three's come out yet. So, mm-hmm. like the, big, the the best-selling game of all time hasn't hit. There's no way the Nintendo's out of date.
1: But Genesis was out in 1989, so maybe she's like, "Oh no, Nintendo! That Genesis does what Nintendo don't." <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: and then she says Sega, and then she
0: runs away. <laughs>
1: uh, Sonic might even be out in 1990
0: so uh, okay okay so that 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 works wasn't there a sega for both the master system and the or not a sega there wasn't there a sonic for the master system and for genesis there and is like the same game but one was 8-bit and the other 16-bit
1: there is you, there's a rabbit hole you could fall down of games that i think originally came out for the sega genesis that were all like downscaled and ported to the sega master system because the sega master system was insanely popular in brazil And so you'll see Sonic, there's a couple of Terminator games and other, like they look real crisp on the Genesis, but they were downscaled and ported over to the Master System and they just look like garbage. (laughs) But it's kind of comical because it's like the exact same game with just way worse graphics. I've never uh, seen or played the uh, Sonic game for the Master System, but yes, it, it exists.
0: I did not know that history. That makes it more interesting.
1: It is, yeah, yeah. Um and then there was like one less button so I feel like they had to like like you know push two buttons to make the C button or whatever. Right. Um yeah anyways uh Mole accidentally collapses some scaffolding on them. Uh it, well I guess that's um you know it's Mole that knocks the scaffolding down on them isn't it? Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's like a, it's like a error that yeah. he accidentally uses his power because the baby carriage turns into a giant Flashlight and blasts at him, and uh, it's, it's a comedy of errors. Um, Iceman and Mole don't realize that they're not enemies, so they start attacking each other until Opal realizes what's going on and says, Hey, stop it, I know that guy. Yeah, and then at the
1: end, uh, she gives him a hug, and I think he like swoons and falls down, and she's like, Mole, you okay? Yeah, I'm fine, everything's okay. And he's got, like, a big smile on his face, so I think, like, he's, like, smitten by the hug that, that he got. Yeah,
0: I mean, he's he's clearly in love with her or has some sort of crush on her.
1: But then he's like, oh, he can cook, too. Who is I kidding? a girl like Opal deserves more than a monster like me. And he's shedding some tears. And that's when Sabretooth is like, yo, chump, if there's one thing I can't stand, it's a cry, baby. I'm going to hunt you. <laughs> and then,
0: I, I'm, I'm assuming Mole is dead I'm assuming we're not going to see Mole ever again And that just kind of makes me sad Yeah, I like Mole Yeah, they, this is kind of a depressing ending yeah. to The whole Mole saga Maybe there'll be a Mole's redemption
1: Maybe there'll be a what if Mole lived
0: <laughs> I'm going to guess that, that's not going to happen Yeah But we, we will find out
1: I opened up Marvel Comics Presents number 44 And then I closed it
0: how was that for you?
1: I was like, I, I, nah, not reading
0: this. <laughs> I can't do it. Nope.
1: Much like, uh, ex- or much like Wolverine 23 here.
0: This, uh, this story has not been good mainly because not like it started out with such promise. Um, but just like nothing has really happened. And that kind of continues in this issue where Wolverine goes into a cave, encounters the black shadow. Or he encounters the white shadow first and tries to attack him for some reason. Uh, even though the white shadow is supposedly the good one. Uh, he ends up freezing his hand and the black shadow shows up and he ends up jumping through the the black shadow, which freezes his entire body. And then he discovers um, in the cave, there's a big, fat, naked person. Um, and then the black shadow comes out of the person's chest. It look, kind of looks like if Conan lost her, uh, just kind of stopped moving around and just started sitting in his throne and eating cheeseburgers. Nice. (laughs) Uh, The, the wonder man story continues with beast. I don't care. Um, They, they, (laughs) they, uh, um, beast is there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't care. Uh,
0: and then we have two kind of post acts of vengeance stories, sort of not really, Uh, We have Captain America number 368.
1: Go ahead. Yeah, one thing to say about Captain America number 368. I bought this issue for some reason when it hit the
0: shelves. Probably because Magneto was on the cover, right? Maybe.
1: But the first page is uh, Machine Man, or I can't remember what his name is, and Crossbones. But Crossbones looks an awful lot like Skullbuster. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I thought this was a Magneto-Reavers tie-in. And if you read wow. it, it you're like, okay. Uh, but eventually, you're like, wait a minute. He works for the Red Skull? I don't know what the hell's happening. <laughs> uh, it, but, it, but they're not the same character.
0: Your kid brain <laughs> took you to some interesting places.
1: It was a very different comic uh, until it made no sense. Um, but yeah, that's why I bought it. I opened it up. I was like, oh, a Reaver's in here. I'm totally buying this.
0: But so Magneto not is not actually in this issue. Nope, it's a robot. I, th- I thought he was, um, but it turns out it's a robot created by Machine Smith, I think is his ah, name. Ah, yes, Machine Smith. And uh, he is trying, they're trying to find Magneto because they don't know what happened to the Red Skull. Nobody knows what happened to the Red Skull. Uh, so Crossbones and Machine Smith uh, send out a Magneto robot to attack some mutant people. Um, which they think will bring Magneto out, but Captain America stops it instead. And then there's some stuff about the Hellfire Club. Celine is there. Um, she doesn't think that Magneto really even cares about the Hellfire Club anymore. I don't know if this is going to continue to be a story. Um, if it is, I guess we'll, we'll pay attention, but I have a feeling it's not going to be that big a deal since Magneto really wasn't in this.
1: Captain America figures it out and smashes him. But if you want to see comically evil Magneto again for some reason, uh, he's depicted here in this Captain America issue.
0: Yeah, the robot is is classic comically evil Magneto. Then there's West Coast Avengers number 56. So for the most part, Magneto is not in this one until the end. Um,
1: Scarlet Witch is here. She's back and everyone's
0: like, what's going on? And uh, Quicksilver, he shows up. So, Magneto has more or less unlocked, uh, you know how the Scarlet Witch has the power to throw hexes, but she can't really control them? Yeah. Well, now she can control them because somehow Magneto unlocked her powers, and that made her evil. Um, Sure. And Magneto shows up, and then Quicksilver shows up, and I guess they're all evil. (laughs) I'm not really sure why, but... They're
1: getting the band back together.
0: They're, uh, Quicksilver wants to be the masters of the world, and... I guess Magneto and Scarlet Witch are along for the ride.
1: Is Quicksilver still married to
0: um, Crystal, or are they done? I think they're... I don't know if they officially got divorced, but I thought they were separated. I think they were on, like, a trial separation. I thought Wonder Man was evil, too. Wonder Man is evil in the pages of Marvel Comics Presents, but we all know that doesn't matter. Ah,
1: okay. Yeah, um john byrne right he's he's arting this one
0: yeah the art is great yep you know, layouts panels all every everything's got that classic burninism oh, i mean it's actually i mean if you read the whole thing it's it it flows pretty well he's the writer and penciler
1: yeah i read most of it it was it was, it's was pretty good story but i really didn't care about you know the hank pym connection and all that stuff but all right adam anything else
0: No, that'll be it. I think that was more than enough, don't you?
1: I do think that that was more than enough. Probably more than enough anybody wanted to hear about Police Academy or the uh, career of (laughs) Bobcat Goldthwait. No way. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, until next time, everybody, my name is Jeremy. My name is Adam. And the Danger Room is closed.